0: We return to James Chapter 1, verses 19 to 22. This will be our text for three Sundays, not in sequence. We'll return to this same text next Sunday, and then we will rally around the communion series first Sunday of the month of December, and then we will return to James 1, 19 to that second week in December, but for three Sundays we will be in James 1, 19 to 22. If you are a child of God, there is no single more practical nor profound insight to living than James 1, 19 to 22. I think it's fair to say that this section of the Word of God has certainly moved to the top of my list of favorites, and uh, there have been at least three previous occasions in this ministry when we've had occasion to speak to the congregation in some venue concerning James 1, 19 to 22. But it's a phenomenal, poignant section of the Word of God to be sure. James 1, 19 to 22. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, And receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, miscalculating or deceiving. Your own selves. Father, we're so thankful this morning to come to this section of the Word of God. We thank you for the things that you have shown to us in days gone by and things that you have reminded us of in recent days concerning the dynamic and ongoing relationship that the child of God is to have with the Word of God written. Help us, then, as we work in this section of the Word of God, to grasp the concept as presented, and more than grasp it, to employ it, to engage it, to apply it to the context of actual life. We ask your blessing upon us as we begin today, for we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Please note grammatically that verse 19 starts with the word, wherefore, meaning that that which came before verse 19 is incumbent upon the meaning of verse 19. And then please notice that in verse 21, you have the word, wherefore which means that that which is talked about in verses 19 and 20 is imperative for that which is talked about afterwards. Therefore, you have in this text two wherefores that demonstrate for you the connectivity of the passage in the whole, even as it connects back to the concept that God is good and that every good gift comes from above, verse 17. James 1.19, as we have repeatedly uh, uh, made emphasis to you, uh, is one of those verses that everybody thinks they get it upon first reading. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Think before you speak, and don't get mad. That's it. Sermon over. I'm done. No, haven't even started yet. As I've said many times, you can find a similar emphasis to James one nineteen in the Farmer's Almanac. You can find a similar emphasis to James one nineteen uh, in the nursery rhymes of Mother Goose. You can certainly find uh, something similar to James one nineteen in uh, the Boy Scouts Manual of America. But none of those understandings are the understanding of this text. If your thought at James 1.19 is, think before you speak, not a bad thing to do, but that's not what I'm preaching. Think before you speak, be, before you speak and don't get mad. Uh, You can find that in many, many, many venues. That would be called, in uh, in the town square, good common sense. But James is not writing about common sense. He is writing about the spiritual sense that can only be gleaned from the word of the living God. There is nothing generic in James 1.19, whatsoever. It is a particular verse. It has a specific emphasis, and that emphasis is all about the Word of God. Now, there is, in the section 1920, 20, 21, 22, there is a dominant and overriding command in verse 21, uh, that really clarifies everything in the text, but especially clarifies verse 19. Uh, that uh, command is receive with meekness the engrafted word. Receive with meekness the engrafted word. Now, let me update one word. Because, except for a few of you that are really into trees, the word grafting may not cut it. Receive with meekness the implanted word. Receive with meekness the implanted word. Our reception of the word of God is the primary focus of James chapter 1 in the whole. And it is the particular focus of James 1, 19 to 22. Our reception of the word of God, according to this little section, is to be marked by sensibility, purity, and humility, ultimately We will, in this text, speak about sensibility, purity, and humility. We will pursue those truths in upcoming weeks. But for right now, I want us to connect verse 19 to the context and the point of Spirit-led James. James had declared to us the flawless goodness of God, verse 17, and offered proof of that flawless goodness in that God of his own will and God of his own word hath begotten us. Just look again at 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, no arbit neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Wherefore, verse 19, James declaring the goodness of God and the proof of that flawless goodness Because the will of God has been exercised and the word of God has come to us that we might receive it and believe it and know and have eternal life. Verse 19 then is sandwiched between these clear statements of the word of God's work, 17 and 18, and God's placement, God's word's placement in our lives, verse 21, receive With meekness, the word that's been stuck within you. Who is the sticker? God. What has been stuck? God's word. And where is that word? It has been placed in you. And you are to receive that word which God hath placed in you with humility, with meekness. Therefore, the proverb-like expression be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, is to be ultimately understood as a part of our appropriate reception to the Word of God that has been planted in our lives by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The overriding truth here is that we who name the name of Christ are to receive the word of God sensibly in purity and with humility. The proverb-like phrases of verse 19 inform our understanding of the sensible reception of the word of God. James says, be quick to hear the Word of God. James says, be slow to speak the Word of God. James says, be slow to emotionally stew and fester against the Word of God. Now, let's press those imperatives in the logical realm in which They are indeed presented. Number one, the word of God must be quickly heard. It is obvious to all that the word hear, verse 19, does not refer to auditory process alone. The hear, hear, means to give full attention to with a resolve to implement And persist. Now for those of you that study with us a long, 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 long time ago, uh, the book by uh, Dr. Berg changed into his image. You know that the word, the Bible word here, uh, infers attentiveness, followed by meditation, and obedience, and endurance. Four things. Attentiveness, meditation, Obedience and endurance. The biblical word itself carries the idea of attention and obedience. Paul's pastoral advice to Timothy when leading the church at Ephesus uh, falls along this very same line. It is to be read exactly in the same manner in which you and I as a congregation are to read James 1.19. It's only a few pages back, so just flip back with me to First Timothy chapter 4, and let me uh, quickly read for you what Paul wrote to young Pastor Timothy in Ephesus and, uh, and, and uh, demonstrate for you uh, how it connects to Timothy's response as a pastor uh, to the Word of God. Uh, 1 Timothy 4.13, Paul said, Till I come, give attendance, you, Timothy, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, uh, to doctrine. So what would Timothy to give attention to? He was to give attention to reading. Why? You can go right to the Kent District Library and they'll say exactly the same thing. You ought to read and read and read and read. Everybody knows that readers are smart. Everybody knows that readers are good. And here's a Bible verse that says, read and read and read and read and read and read and read. Is that what it's saying? No, no. It is saying read, but it's not talking about read the newspaper or, or read a magazine or, or, uh, or read the instructions before you try to put the thing together. You, would, you wish you, uh, you would have if you didn't. Uh, uh, it didn't talk about reading like that, it's talking about reading. Something particular. What is it that Paul says Timothy should be reading? The text doesn't say it, but you already know it. The text doesn't say it, but you already know it. What is indeed Pastor Timothy to give himself attentively to in regards to his ministry at the church, local church in Ephesus? Reading what? The Word of God. The The B-I-B-L-E. Exhorting what? The Word of God. You see, listen, you don't need my opinion. People sometimes say to me, Pastor, what are you, how are you going to vote? I don't tell anybody how I vote. I don't care to know how you're going to vote. Talk to God about it, do your best. I don't tell people how to vote. I didn't come here to give my opinion. You don't need my opinion. If I'm going to exhort you, if I'm going to admonish you, if I'm going to tell you what to do, I'm going to make sure i got a Bible verse for that. Because you don't need my opinion. You need the Word of God. Timothy was told to read the Bible. Timothy was told to exhort based upon the written Word of God. Timothy was to attend to doctrine. What kind of teaching? The teaching of the Word of God goes on, neglect not the gift that is in thee. What gift? The gift of the word of God that was implanted in him. The calling of his ministry within him. Given by prophecy, which is the word of God. With the laying on of the hands of the Presbytery. Meditate upon these things. What things? The word of God. Give thyself holy to them. Holy to what? The word of God. That thy profiting may appear to all. When pastors give themselves to the word of God, the congregation can tell it. And when they don't, they can tell it. Take heed, Paul said to Timothy, unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt save thyself. I thought Timothy was saved. No, you'll save yourself in ministry. You'll save yourself from the from the uh, uh, from the pressures of ministry, and you'll also help those and save those, deliver those that listen to you, that hear thee. What a tremendous pastoral emphasis! First Timothy four is upon the word of God. Uh, uh, where do you find a congregational emphasis exactly along those same way? Uh, uh, James 1, 19 to 22. James 1, 19 to 22. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man, every believer, is that talking about every man in the world? It's talking about every believer. Be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Nothing logically can be honestly more important than the fact that God, who made the world, has spoken. We ought to hear the Word of God with a humble and teachable spirit. James' loving appeal to the Jewish Christian brethren gathered here and there, as scattered around the then known world, is that they would take every opportunity to read, to study, to hear the word of God personally, wherever it is preached, wherever it was taught on a regular basis, as well as in their own efforts in walking with the Lord. It is this pattern of attentiveness, this pattern of resolve, to implement the Word of God in daily life that governs all prayer. You can pray without James one it it'll be dumb prayer. Or you can pray with James one nineteen in mind, and it will be glorious prayer. This idea of having attentiveness to the Word of God and implementing the Word of God in daily life as a governing to prayer is a biggie and largely neglected in our day. Furthermore, this idea of attentiveness to the Word of God and resolve to implement it is the key to growth in the Lord. We all know the dangers of reading the Bible, but not hearing it when we do. We all, at times, have heard the word taught, but haven't heard the word taught. We have all, at times, prayed without any real connection To the revealed truth of God. These dangers are dismissed by honest attentiveness and resolve to implement the word received into our daily lives. Make sure you continue to receive the word of God that has been planted within you It would not be there apart from the will of God. Amen? And so if God has brought the word of God into you, then you ought to receive it and receive it and receive it and receive it. And so therefore, James says, uh, let every man be swift, the word is takus, It's where we get our English word tactical from. It's not talking about quick in the sense of being in a hurry or quick like the next thing, but it's talking about be quick, be tactical, be deliberate, if you will, in hearing, attending to, meditating upon, obeying, and enduring in the implemented word of God. Secondly, the Word of God must be carefully spoken. Biblical reference in the media and among politicians are almost always offensive to the true child of God because the Bible is quoted uh, to make a point that usually has nothing to do with the actual point Of the Bible. Uh, What ought to be more disturbing to us is our own propensity to reference Scripture in a glib or insincere way. We also are often guilty of referencing God in our casual talk in unnatural and awkward ways. The word of God says, clearly, let every man be slow to speak. The word slow is braduce, and it means not to be hasty. It means to be deliberate. It stands in complement to the word above it, swift, which means tactical. Be on your toes to hear the word of God. Be on your heels to speak it. Why? Because the devil enters in, and you and I, if we are not deliberate and prayerful and careful will speak the word of God quickly, swiftly, without due consideration, and as a result, we'll speak it in a way that is inappropriate or misdirected. Whatever comes out of our mouths towards others ought to be carefully thought through. If we are charged with the responsibility to speak for the Lord at home or church, we ought to be especially on our toes. That which spiritually edifies and faithfully represents the interest and the viewpoints of heaven. Philip's commentary reminds us that one of the things that really aggravated and bugged righteous job was the eagerness of his friends to speak to him their understanding of the truth of god job had five friends they all came quoting bible and all five were wrong. I'm not talking about the dangers of Facebook. I've said that plenty of times. I'm talking about the danger of using the word of God without due consideration for righteous application. At one point, Job bless his pea-picking heart, said to one of those loose-lipped friends, quote, Oh, that you would altogether hold your peace. Which the translation of that from the Hebrew is, Shut up! Oh, that you would shut up! And honestly, there's an awful lot of times when supposed Christians speak and quote some Bible verse that they'd be better off to shut up. And that includes many preachers. There are many Christians that seem to have a quick verse of advice for everything. So much Christian communication today is nothing more than the pat answer and the predictable response. Listen. We are to receive with humility. We are to receive with meekness. The word of God that has been put within our souls. You can imagine that that is a particularly difficult thing in the life of a preacher's kid. Or the missionary's kid. Who grows up in a home where the things of God are constantly referenced by way of responsibility before the Lord. I remember a night in the middle of the night in our former ministry when the phone rang and it was my son on the bridge of a 210 foot Coast Guard cutter called the Confidence in the middle of the Caribbean Sea in the midst of a hurricane. And he called that night because his captain who asked him to join him on the bridge while all the other coasties locked themselves down within the ship. The captain and Justin literally roped into the chairs on the bridge. The windows on the bridge opened so that the waves and the wind could come through. And Justin, with his hands on the helm, listening to the captain's word to steer in the pitch of that sea. And the captain said, your dad's a preacher, right? Justin said, yeah. He said, I think you better call him and ask him to pray for us. And so Justin called me from the ship. And those calls are quite amazing because they're done ship to shore. And so it's, hello, dad? Over. Son. Over. Back and forth and back. You're over it all the time. Over, 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 over. As you speak, ship to shore. But on that night, I did pray for the crew. But Justin, that night, said to me something I will never, ever, ever forget. He said, Dad. Dad. I've heard you preach on this passage of Scripture in Philippians, and he quoted it. I've heard you preach on that passage of Scripture uh, a hundred times, but tonight, before I called you, God put that word in my soul. What's the right thing to say next to Justin at three o'clock in the morning? Justin, receive with meekness the implanted word. If God has ever given you a word, you've never forgotten it. Receive with meekness the implanted word. And be careful to just be quoting Bible verses to people as if you know their case, lest you become to them like one of Job's friends. Such a frustrating discouragement rather than one who edifies. And then, thirdly, James says, verse 19, slow. To wrath, the word of God must reign over all our actions and attitudes. Like anger, the word anger here is not talking about the involuntary reaction when uh, you're driving down the road and somebody cuts you off in traffic, and you say, "What's wrong, with you?" If you didn't say it, at least you, you thought it. No, it's not talking about that, about, about that kind of anger. It's talking about a resentment. It's talking about the slow burn of a bitter heart. James is specifically speaking about the parts of the Bible that you and I do not like to hear because they conflict in some way with our personal interest or they confront our personal sins, there is a natural tendency to be slow to hear the word of God and quick to speak the word of God and then to become angry or to make angry uh, in consequence. You and I are to be quick to hear God's word, slow to speak it, and we are not to allow ourselves the unwise luxury of debating with anything that God has said. When you are slow to hear God's word and quick to speak it, then you are inclined to get angry when your words are not honored and to make others unnecessarily angry by your own words. I'll confess to you this morning that one of the most difficult things as a young preacher is to learn to preach your sermon and let it go. Preach your sermon and let it go. Preach your sermon and just let it go. Give it to God and let it go. Why? Because when you speak, just like when I speak, you want people to... You want people to stay awake. And I got lungs to make them awake. Some people that are deaf think they hear. <laughs> just, just me. But I tell you that nobody speaks so that people would doze and, and, and be uh, uh, inattentive. And sometimes when you speak, especially if you have good things to speak, sometimes you're, you're starting to feel a sense of angst and anger in your soul, uh, even as you're preaching, because you don't sense that people are like rallying to the truth. Now, you probably have never struggled with that, but I sure did as a young preacher. Sometimes I still do as an old goat. But the, the truth is, it's it's a hard thing to deal with before the Lord. But you deal with it before the Lord by obeying the Scripture, Receive with meekness. The engrafted word, which means that even when you do share it with others, you need to Learn to, to let it go. An angry spirit is never a listening spirit. An angry spirit is neither is never a teaching spirit, even if the angry, non listening, non teachable spirit is in the preacher. Verse 20 gives us the logic regarding how this works. It says, and I'm giving you the TWTL translation here, it says, a bugged believer is never able to put into practice the righteous life that God desires. Now here's how the scripture says it, verse 20, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Again, a bugged believer is never able to put in practice the righteous life that God desires. Righteous anger is a good thing. No parent feels happy when their child disobeys. And when a parent's righteous anger is stirred, that parent finds the God-given energy to take a stand, to fight against sin, And self serving in the life of their children. But that said, you know that there are multiplied references to anger as sin or leading us quickly to sin if we are not quick to, Andy of Mayberry, nip it in the bud. In baseball, It is rare to ever see a successful triple play in which runners are out, third base, second base, first base, bringing the inning to its end. In local churches like ours, it should not be rare to see successful triple plays. Triple plays in the life of God's people by swift hearing, slow speaking, and slow walking towards anger. It has always humbled me to think that the man of God in the scripture, known to be the meekest besides Christ, The meekest in all the earth was indeed prevented from entering the land of promise because at a given point in time, he was swift to hear, swift to speak, and very angry. His name was Moses, and Moses was bugged with the congregation when he pronounced God's word of provision to them and got overly enthusiastic and struck the rock rather than only speaking to the rock as God had said. I tell you, it's just easy for a Bible teacher to get bugged with a class. It's just easy for a Bible preacher to get bugged by the congregation. And I tell you that it's just easy for a class or a congregation to be bugged by the teacher. Or to be dwelled by the preacher, there are many bugaboos in my life and yours. God's children must all poise themselves under the goodness of God, and his begetting them. 17:18, begetting them by his own will and word. And on that basis, in response, wherefore, be swift, slow, slow. Swift to hear it, slow to speak it, slow to wrath. Father, thank you this morning for such a practical application of your word to our lives. Help us to work in this zone of thy will and word, help us to demonstrate our commitment to you, even as we're about to sing it in the little concluding chorus, our commitment to live the way you want us to live. We know, though, that our commitment doesn't seal the deal, that it is only by your spirit that we are enabled to be doers of the word, and not hearers only. And so we pray that today the word of God would be received humbly as it has been implanted within us by thy Holy Spirit as preached. We commit it to you. We let it go to you. And leave it to each and every believer to make application to their own heart before the Lord. Bless us then in our response, we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.